like all risks, the key you have to do is to consider practically the real and significant risks. If you try to go down the rabbit hole of addressing each and every risk, you're going to drive yourself crazy and you have to maintain a level head and prioritize your risks. Global companies face unprecedented risks and challenges in today's economy. To mitigate these legal and economic risks, companies are rapidly embracing and elevating the importance of robust ethics and compliance programs to promote positive corporate citizenship. On Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, you'll hear from industry leaders and insiders about how to create effective ethics and compliance programs that will mitigate risks and maximize financial performance. Here's your host, Michael Volkov. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome for another episode of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. This is an episode focusing on the evolving partnership between compliance and cybersecurity and information technology. Just a fast rising issue in terms of compliance concerns and obviously in terms of risks that companies face these days. I'm reminded from the NAVEX state of compliance survey that we just talked about last week that one in three respondents indicated that their company had experienced at least one attack or data breach in the last three years. That just shows you this is becoming top of mind to board members, to senior executives. And, you know, employees are also very familiar with this issue because obviously they have security issues relating to their use of computers, let's say at home or technology or cell phones or whatever. So this is becoming a really significant issue. And the range of risks that we're looking at are not just the outsider threats. We all hear about the ransomware attacks or the denial or delivery of service or other types of cyber attacks and resulting data breaches. But it also deals with internal compliance issues with regard to employees and their cyber hygiene, if you want to call it that, and their practices and training employees to not fall victim to phishing scams or other things like that. So let's take a look at some of this trends that we're seeing and ways forward. Companies that have experienced a cyber attack are forever changed, just like any company that's subject to an enforcement action. Let's say from DOJ, they all of a sudden find religion and everybody wants to make sure they have proactive risk mitigation strategies. But when it comes to cybersecurity and data protection, let's start at the board members and senior executives, they have a steep learning curve. And it is imperative for them to learn the risks, the technologies, and risk mitigation strategies. Chief information security officers or CISOs recognize the importance of bringing everyone up to speed and establishing an enterprise risk management governance system around information technology and security. My view is, and I'm seeing this across all of our client companies and colleague companies, that CISOs and CCOs, chief compliance officers, are coming together now in new ways. And frankly, CCOs are excellent partners for CISOs. First off, just to pitch uh, CCOs, they have line of sight across the organization. They're familiar with risk assessment principles. They know how to implement policies and procedures. And they can deliver important training and education programs to advance the message from 
CISOs about employee conduct. And employees, like I said, understand the significance of cybersecurity and data privacy in the workplace. And they often welcome training in this area so that they don't want to make a mistake. They want to avoid a cyber incident. And they already know from the news and their own experience the dangers of hackers. Employees need to be educated on hacker techniques and the latest set of risks. And overall, employees have to implement a set of best practices for password protection, avoidance of phishing and other scams, false vendor schemes, which we're seeing a lot of these days where people are seeking to get money with false invoices and vendor identities. And basically, employees want to have proper information security hygiene. CISOs can leverage CCOs for their knowledge of governance, risk management, and training and audit principles. And in many companies, what we've seen is CISOs operate as sort of second-class governance functions, partly because when they appear before the board and if they appear before the board and senior executives, CISOs can be viewed as highly technical for obvious reasons. And board members usually don't understand. They just want to know, hey, are we protected? And do we have insurance? And that's where the evolution has to take place in terms of boards adding cyber experts to this boards. And if SEC's cybersecurity rules are adopted, boards are going to be required to add such expertise and then disclose the board's cyber capabilities and experience. So it's important to remember that at least 50% of cyber data breaches are the result of an internal act, either intentional or through negligence. A disgruntled employee can wreak havoc by circumventing data security controls to steal trade secrets or data, or even cause a serious breach. In some cases, employees can also fall victim to a phishing email or other scams because of a failure to identify the situation and take basic precautionary steps. To the extent that cyber risks are the result of internal employee misbehavior or negligence, CCOs are natural experts in developing strategies for controls, mitigation of risks, and monitoring employee behavior because they're already doing that to a certain extent with regard to other risks. Indeed, CCOs may have in place, like I say, various procedures that can be expanded to include basic cyber risks. So CISOs and CCOs should look for these kind of opportunities. First, CCOs know how to design controls and can work with CISOs to ensure that employees are unable to circumvent internal information access controls. Second, CCOs are excellent at designing and conducting training programs. And third, one-third of cyber and data events are caused by third parties. So CCOs already are into third-party risk management, and they need to leverage that experience with CISOs to incorporate cyber risks as part of an overall third-party risk management program. And finally, CCOs know how to conduct risk assessments and how to mitigate any risks, measure the performance of the controls, and conduct testing and auditing of the program. So let's talk a little bit more about what the real cyber risks and threats are out there right now. One thing about hackers is they're creative and they don't really care about their victims whatsoever. They just care about breaking in, sometimes wreaking havoc. Like all risks, the key you have to do is to consider practically the real and significant risks. If you try to go down the rabbit hole of addressing each and every risk, you're going to drive yourself crazy 
and you have to maintain a level head and prioritize your risks. So one of the fastest developing trends is the movement of processing and data storage to the cloud. And as companies move more to the cloud, the antiquated risks of on-premises data processing and storage functions becomes less relevant. And this trend, I think, is going to continue. So companies are going to have to ensure that they have the right strategies in place to minimize risks with their cloud providers. And that's like AWS or Azure. And depending on your company's precise information and data footprint, the ranking of cyber risks can change. Organizations have to use advanced security technologies, continually test and update their controls, and educate employees. Cybersecurity is basically a function that has to be integrated into software and all of your systems. And proactive cyber monitoring techniques can reduce the risk and impact of a cyber attack and strengthen the organization's reputation and marketplace trust. So let's go down, and I have a list of 10 major cyber risks. Number one, and these aren't in any particular order, but you'll recognize many of them, ransomware. Ransomware continues to top the list of risks. Hackers seek to inject a malicious software to encrypt files and then demand ransom to decrypt the files. Every business needs to have a disaster recovery solution with backup of files that are included as part of an incident response plan. Number two, cloud security. With more companies moving to the cloud for processing and storage function, organizations have to ensure proper hygiene and controls are maintained by the provider. At the same time, the organization's employees have to manage users, access privileges, account protections, and encryption of data. The cloud provider should be responsible for securing its infrastructure's access and configuration of its networks. It's critical for the customer company to delineate the respective functions and responsibilities of the provider and the company. Cloud applications pose significant risks as a result of misconfigurations within cloud and SaaS, the SaaS environments. Such misconfigurations can result in unauthorized access. Organizations have to implement strong security practices and regularly assess access controls monitor and audit configurations, and use automated security tools to identify and remediate misconfigurations. Number three, work from home security. As more companies permit work from home alternatives, companies have to adopt strong security protocols, including use of VPNs, multi-factor authentication, and mobile device security solutions. Employees have to ensure strong password protections and attend regular training sessions to mitigate growing risks against employees who have work-from-home capabilities. Number four, phishing. Employees are very aware of phishing schemes, but may nonetheless fall victim because of inattentive practices or rushing to complete specific tasks. Companies have developed training and testing programs to provide real-time testing of employees to ensure awareness of phishing schemes. Number five, supply chain security. Third-party cyber risks are significant. Supply chains have to be reviewed for cyber risks, cyber defense, and adherence to best practices. In this respect, a cyber criminal can disguise themselves as a legitimate user or deploy malware through trusted applications. To mitigate supply chain attacks, organizations should conduct thorough due diligence when selecting partners or providers 
implement strong vendor management practices, and regularly assess the security practices of third parties. Number six, identity and access management, or IAM. IAM security manages digital identities and controls access to data systems and resources to ensure security. To prevent unauthorized access, companies need robust policies, a good technology for IAM, and programs to reduce identity-related risks. Seven, internal actor threats. Employees pose a significant risk to organizations, especially disgruntled ones. Individuals who have access privileges can intentionally or unintentionally harm systems, steal data, or engage in corporate espionage activities. As a result, companies have to implement robust access controls, employ continuous monitoring and auditing of user activities, and conduct regular security awareness training for employees. Number eight, DOS and DDoS attacks. Denial of service and distributed denial of service attacks remain a potential threat and target web servers to render them inaccessible to legitimate users. Organizations should invest in available DDoS mitigation solutions and implement traffic monitoring and anomaly detection mechanisms. Number nine, artificial intelligence and machine learning. With the rise of AI and ML, cyber criminals are likely to incorporate these tools to automate and scale their attacks. On the flip side, AI and ML can be used to enhance cyber defenses. The growing availability of AI chatbots increases the risk that employees could inadvertently share confidential information with these tools. Cyber espionage number 10, attacks will remain a real threat. Last year, the Operation Aurora attack on Google Gmail underscored the need for organizations to implement network segmentation and intrusion detection protocols. In response, companies can also and may also seek the assistance of law enforcement to assist in mitigating this risk. And our final topic, I wanted to sort of turn to the what are the elements of a cybersecurity compliance program? It's a term that's thrown about, and there are common technical elements that are layered on top of our more traditional, let's say, elements, including training, auditing. The same principles apply, but there are certain tools and ideas that are sort of in common in a cybersecurity compliance program. So a company needs to identify and understand elements of its information technology infrastructure including the specific types of devices and uses. Do you have a BYOD program or do you provide company-owned cell phones to your employees? The goal is to identify areas of risks that could permit, let's say, an attack to occur or permit a hacker to gain unauthorized access to a company's IT system or cloud application. The difficulty in this process is identifying network vulnerabilities that may be exploited and the different tools that they can use to gain unauthorized access. It's almost like the hackers are one step ahead and the technology that develops is in response to whatever the latest attack or threat was. There are certain common elements, and let me go through them quickly, application security, information security, disaster recovery planning, network security, endpoint or end user security, and overall operational security. Application security is the protection of software applications within your business. Businesses that misconfigure security settings for applications can result in cloud account data breaches. 
companies that rely on major cloud services have to design their security settings for their applications. There are a number of reasons for such misconfigurations. One, lack of familiarity with cloud security policies. Two, absence of adequate controls and oversight. And three, user areas. In this area, multi-factor controls and administration privileges are critical steps to strengthen application security and prevent breach of applications. Number two is information security, and that's your steps taken to protect internal company data and data collected from customers, clients, and vendors and suppliers. When it comes to data, companies have to follow strict security standards to protect personal identifiable data. The importance of such data can depend on the specific industry, in other words, personal health information, financial data, which may be subject to specific regulations, and other sensitive types of business-related and generated data. Companies have to examine how they collect, store, and transmit data. To protect the data, companies will employ encryption and other strategies to protect data from possible breaches. Next is disaster recovery and protections. These consist of two important functions, strategies to prevent a breach or malware infection from spreading. You know, if you have a malware attack, there are steps that can be taken to, let's say, isolate it and protect the rest of your system. And two, preparation of protocols for recovery in response to a possible attack. In this area, companies have to implement backup and recovery systems conduct incident response drills, and endpoint protections. Network security covers protection of a company's physical network and the devices that are used with the network. Now, most companies use firewalls to monitor incoming and outgoing traffic for cyber threats and attacks. Also, companies have to secure their wireless network and ensure that remote connections are encrypted. Network security is focused on protecting the system to ensure only authorized users have access and detection of possible anomalies or intrusions into the network. Next is end user security, which is often referred to as endpoint security, and this includes protection of devices that employees use. Given the prevalence of phishing attacks, companies have to focus on this important area since hackers typically gain unauthorized access through endpoints, employee laptops or mobile devices. So end user security often consists of ensuring that devices are updated with security programs and firewalls, installation of antivirus applications, availability of DNS filtering to block malicious websites, installation of firmware protections, passcode protections for screen locks, and remote monitoring and device detection services. Given the importance of endpoint security, cyber training of employees to raise awareness is a critical addition and supplement to this. Employees have to understand how to detect phishing emails, to maintain password security, and handle sensitive data and other important cyber hygiene habits. Finally, operational or holistic security involves a holistic examination to ensure that across the organization, the security strategy operates effectively and is effectively designed. Companies have to consider how the system operates overall and identify any potential vulnerabilities that could be exploited by a hacker. In other words, looking for gaps in your coverage. This is an important aspect of a program to ensure that a company keeps up with current threats and security developments. In the end, cybersecurity fails 
when there's a lack of adequate controls and security readiness. And companies have to make smart strategic decisions when developing IT controls and cybersecurity protections. And always focus on the human element, common mistakes, effectiveness of controls, and vulnerabilities to hacker strategies to exploit any weaknesses. Employees have to know and understand cyber risks and steps to defend against possible attacks. Well, that's it for today on cybersecurity. We are going to continue to focus on this issue given its sort of prevalence in the governance menu these days. We'll be back with more information on this in the weeks to come. Anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week for another episode. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is by subscribing on your favorite listening platform. To learn more and connect with Michael Volkov, go to volkovlaw.com. 